right, let's get into it. Another episode of the Talk and Audio Podcast. It's been an eventful day here in the nation's capital. Monday was, uh, we saw something that a lot of people had been saying needed to happen for quite some time. The Ottawa Senators uh, finally dismissed DJ Smith as their uh, their head coach. And Jacques Martin will take over as on an interim basis for the foreseeable future. Uh, when we're done lobbing hot takes from the hip and want some actual rational assessment on what these things look like, we normally uh, go looking for Graham Nichols. Here's he's here with me today. How are you doing tonight, man? No, it's too bad. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, appreciate you making the time as as always. Uh, how are things on your end? Everything's good. <laughs> can't you can't complain? No, I guess not. Eh. Um, yeah, it's, uh, look, I, I guess I, I should start where I always start here. Uh, I know, uh, you got a pint, but, uh, nothing too crafty, but it's a classic. It is a classic Guinness going with a stout. That a boy. I'm going with a stout as well. Hey, that's a classic Guinness open too. Yeah. Um, I've got a stout here as well. I'm working through the, uh, craft beer advent calendar. So we've got uh, something different every night. And this one's from Kitchissippi. It's called the Maze Craze. But it's an uh, apple cinnamon stout. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to come off. I've never tried an apple cinnamon stout. Um, but uh, but looking forward to it. 4.8%. Have you had this one? Have you ever... Uh, like? I've you- never had it. Kitchen Sippy is usually like really safe and accessible, though. So I can't imagine it's that bad. But who knows? No, I'm sure it won't be bad. Uh, I like Kitsch quite a bit. Like all their stuff's pretty nice. But uh, yeah, this these flavors here have me wondering what this is... Uh, what this is going to be like. Have you tried anything else good lately? I know you're all over the scene normally. Um, no, lots of Wood Brothers stuff. Third Moon, which is like from like Milton, Ontario. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Usually, like, I don't know. I, I like I wind up going to the beer fridges at the Cheshire Cat from time to time. Like you just pop in anytime. You don't need to like eat at the restaurant. So you pop in and grab beers there. And they usually have like a lot of like random different stuff from like all around Ontario in terms of craft yeah. beers. And it's pretty good. Yeah, I think the last good. time you were in uh, studio, you brought me a couple things from there, which is very cool of you. Uh, yeah, their uh, stuff's usually pretty good. But yeah, like Third Moon's really, really good. And then, uh, yeah, if you can find Wood Brothers anywhere, like grab it. It's delicious. It's hard to find, man. Apparently, it's a whole thing. Like, you got to show up to the farm on a one day a you week. Should, you, know what? There's, you know what? Uh, when the weather gets a little bit better and... Uh, you know, like maybe like springtime or something, I'll pick you up. We'll go on a roadie. That'd be sweet. It's, uh, yeah, it's we'll a lot that. of fun. It's like pretty much go to Montreal almost. Okay. To get, to get there. But, uh, so it's a bit of a hike. I'm told it's uh, worth it though. So No, it is. It's a, it's a lot of fun. You can have a good time going out. Okay. Well, uh, well, we'll look forward to doing that. Um, this one, man, pretty interesting. It's got far more, and maybe this was always going to be the case, uh, a, a lot more cinnamon flavor than apple flavor, but that's a much stronger uh, flavor, right? You're going to notice that more, but it's not in an overpowering way. It's actually pretty nice. Um, yeah, like I said, 4.8%. This will be, uh, this will be nice to sip on while we chat. Um, let's get into it. DJ Smith. Uh, well, Rob and I released a new episode of the podcast here on Monday morning in which I said, continuing my streak of strong predictions, uh, that they're not going to fire him. It just looks like they've decided this is the way this is going to go, barring losing like six or seven in a row where they literally have no choice but to do it. It seemed like they were just going to keep him. That comes on the heels of me saying, I can't even possibly imagine that the Sens would be docked a first-round pick for the Dadanov thing. Um, Thanks. Thanks, yeah, no, I, I was doing really well, well here, yeah. Um, well, well done. Yeah, there was another one early in the year, too. I, I forget that, that I wasn't just you know, completely wrong on. I was immediately wrong on uh, the first round pick for, for Dadanov thing. 
that news came out about an hour after we dropped the episode where I said it wouldn't <laughs> happen. So it was, it was hard for people to forget that I had said it. Uh, look, I said today on the show that I didn't think they were going to pull the trigger and they did it. Um, it comes on the heels of a rough weekend, a six, three loss to Vegas. Um, you know, a rough trip through, uh, through Dallas, uh, St. Louis didn't go all that well. Are you surprised that they did it today? Or like, did you see this coming or did you sort of have a similar, you know, feeling to me like that you were just resigned to the fact that it looks like they're going to ride this out? No, I don't think so. I think like, if you look back two weeks ago, they hired Jacques Martin to be an advisor to the coach and staff. And I think like, that's the writing on the wall. I think like, even if you go back to like Pierre Dorian and, and Steve Steos getting named as, as the president of hockey operations, they have a press conference. Everyone's like, happy, go lucky. This is a great thing. It's we're insulating our, our general manager. I think if you look at the coaching staff, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, you know, I think in, in bringing in Jacques Martin into the fold, the new advisor capacity. waited 12 days to advise them that this guy sucks. You should hire me. Right? Well, <laughs> I, I think what you're doing in that instance is you're bringing someone into the fold who has two weeks to evaluate. He gets to familiarize himself with the system that the senators are currently uh, trying to employ. He mm-hmm. familiarizes himself, built rapport with the players, uh, the, the hockey ops department, um, the training staff, the facility, the people who coordinate the facilities and, and everything else. And, and he's essentially what he's doing over the first two weeks is introducing himself and reintegrating into the organization. And you give him a two week uh, window and then DJ Smith gets gassed. And it is a surprising no. I think if you look at this team on paper, they're like, what, the fifth worst in terms of point percentage in the league? Yeah. Uh, in terms of actual points, they're fourth last in the league. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, there was that blip, right, when they first introduced Martin, and then uh, he has, like, a, there's a three-game stretch for the Senators where they play really well. Yeah. They take, like, two or three games against Toronto, New York, and uh, Detroit, I believe. And they went to those three games. Like, naturally, they lose to Toronto, which is, like, typical for Jacques sure. Martin's squad. <laughs> uh, but, like, they outplay. They, like, they significantly outplayed all three of those teams. You're like, oh, shit. Like, okay. Like, Maybe this is something, and like that led to that Ian Mendez article, right, in the Athletic, where it's like, hey, they've made a couple of tweaks to the system, and uh, the big team meeting to turn them around. It's, yeah. yeah, it's having a lot of like short term success. Maybe this is something they can build on and go from there. And everything's like, yeah, this is this is good. Like we can build on this, and then it's like you fucking took the whole bottom out of this thing, and the team <laughs> collapsed. Like they got it scored nineteen to ten in the last fourteen or in the last four games, and it's just like the bottom fell out of it. And you're like, okay, that's that's it. Like. You know, you can't if, if had DJ Smith's team continue to like play okay or win like every second game, play 500 after you know those three games against Toronto, New York, and Detroit. You, I would have thought he would have had a chance to like continue, but uh, the bottom fell out of this thing, and it's like the same defensive lapses, uh, just poor defensive play in the, their own end, and it's just. Some like the shoe had to drop at some point. Like you can't continue to to run these guys out. Like I went on a kind of like a Twitter rant last night. Like I put together like a thread, and it's just like I'm frustrated because it's like it's happening. It's happening again. Where you're like, okay, this could potentially be another lost year. But at the same time, like I'm empathetic towards the front office and the president of hockey operations and, and the owner who, you know, they they kind of came into this team uh, at the eleventh hour before the start of the season. And they never really had an opportunity during the offseason to assess the guys who were here, make changes. And, and essentially, they were put in a position where they had, like they were pressured to hold on to the, these incumbent people and Dorian and, and Smith and let them start the year with the organization. And, you know, if the NHL and the, the estate, the Melnick estate, had dragged this fucking ownership sale out for the, for the entire year, um, 
the, the organization wouldn't even be in this position though. Both the guys would probably been relieved of their jobs last year. And at least they were like ownership would have had a chance to put their people that they want in charge when they're available during the offseason. But like once the season starts, like you're not hiring credible candidates who are available to you. Like every organization is probably gonna hold on to their guys, whether they're an assistant GM or a head coach or what have you. And it puts them in a position where it's like uh, I don't. Re- we, we don't really want to hire like a part-time guy. So, like, how do we go about doing this? And I think in hiring Jacques Martin, it's like a, it's it's a nice bridge to do it. They gave him that advisor role, and um, it's it's a perfect way to like keep him in the fold, let him be an interim head coach, and then put him back in an advisor role once the season ends, and they can hire the guy that they want. It is a difficult situation, as you pointed out, and we've talked about here before. The the timing of the sale, just all of it, you know happened too late right in terms of your draft direction and free agency he didn't have full control yet but he could have started to make his thoughts known but it happened very late then if you maybe can do something in uh, getting the team signed off on and the the t's crossed and the i's dotted in july or august then as you suggested you can go and hire somebody's agm if you want to uh, i guess one of the things that friedman's reported on a couple times is most teams you know are free or are happy to let like their if there was an AHL head coach that you thought was going to be the next big guy, they're happy to let that guy go for an NHL promotion, but not in the middle of the season, right? Like, that's tough. That's disruptive to the whole organization that you might be, you know, taking that guy from. So it complicates things. So I am sympathetic to that, but we've seen all along this um, failure is too harsh. But, like, I'm not sure if Ann Lauer understood completely when he came in that patience here was pretty frayed right and and quite reasonably so that yeah it's smart business to take your time and make sure you know who these people are and whether you want to keep them or get rid of them like that is a completely understandable approach but as the season starts to slip away you do have a fan base that was very excited for your arrival and is now getting kicked in the gut again and that's a hard balance to strike like people are really upset and and sending dj back out there in front of another home crowd when the team's losing again that was going to be hard on him as well. Like this whole thing was really hard, right? Like, so so I think like the way I feel about this is that the, the stability is like the buzzword, right? Like yeah. that's what like people are railing against the organization for right now, and they want to preach stability. They think like the players, like oh, things are crazy right now. And I think if you look back at the beginning of the year, you have like the Shane Pinto thing. You have uh, Dorian and Dadnov, and like yep. you know, it's like the typical Ottawa stuff, unfortunately, <laughs> where it's like you know, it's getting headlines for all the wrong reasons. But I think uh, stability with this organization has been a problem for a while. It has nothing to do with coaching. It has nothing to do with anything. It has nothing to do with um, anything that's on the ice necessarily. Just hear me out on this. Sure. It starts at the top, and from the Melnick era to the Melnick estate. Um, to the people that they put in positions of decision-making power, the people at the top were absolutely, absolutely rotten. And there's been a trickle-down effect. And I, I think DJ Smith's a, a good guy. The players love him because he's a player's coach. And sure. for a lot of these, for a lot of these like professionals, like he's the first head coach, profession professional head coach, I should say, like who's coached a you know in a, a professional league level for many of these players. And he's a player's coach. Naturally, they're going to gravitate towards them. They're going to love them for it, right? But like, you know, at some point there has to be there has to be some give. You know, it's it's you can't you can't just hold on to a guy for stability and, and assume that's like just because he's been here for a while that's gonna that's gonna be fine. That's gonna create this stable camaraderie and everything else. It's like no, you have to have success. You have to have 
this trickle down effect. You can't just have a guy in place and, and have this complacency set in. I, I fear like that's what's going on. And I like you watch this team play for the last like five years. Like I think the true talent level of the team has improved dramatically over mm-hmm. the past like five years. But you wouldn't know it by the results on the ice. Like obviously the points percentage has gone up uh, every year, but at the same time, it's like the team's out of it by November every year. They're, they've never realistically like pushed for a playoff spot in any of the five years that DJ Smith has been here. And it, you know, if you look at the team's five on five play, they never dramatically improved their their defense, uh, their five on five plays as a group. It's it's always been we're relying on the individual talent levels. The guys like Tim Stutzla. Brady Kachuk, Jake Sanderson, Thomas Shabbat to like carry this team to a higher level. And that's fine. I, I it's it's fine to rely on your big players to carry you through it. But at some point you have to play as a cohesive unit. I don't think anybody's seen that from this 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 group in a long time. And uh, you know, to bring in Jacques Martin, I think that's a, like a nice way to bridge the modern regime with the past. Um, you know, he's got a reputation for being an X's and O's coach. And, uh, you know, I think if you were to criticize this team, it's on the defensive end of the puck. And if you can teach X's and O's to this this team and, and teach them how to play with structure and to play cohesively as a group, um, that bodes well. Even even in a lost year, it, like if the centers ultimately wind up missing the postseason this year, if you're like, OK, well, let's reset. What What is the best outcome for this group right now? I think you'd be it would be to say it's like we need our best young players to learn how to play effectively to them. Uh, both ends of the ice. And if he can help that team do that, that's a great step to put this team on a path to success starting next season. So I think I agree with you here. And and one of the problems that that you run into with having to do it now is that you had to hire an interim coach. Like even if your guy was available because you don't have your GM yet. And in theory, you want him to pick the new head coach. And so I, I guess I'm curious with your take on this team and your read on this group, is there any risk here that there isn't going to be any new accountability yet? Because this guy, no matter how respected he is and the, the legacy that he has here, is just the interim guy. He's not your new coach either. Is is there a risk that while this guy is probably the right type of coach, the right style of coach to help teach these guys, that maybe they're not going to buy into this guy either? Well, I think you're changing it up regardless, right? So Yeah, you, you had know, to the, do it. Past, like, I think this is the, the right past. guy, but... But I, yeah, I, I want, you're still in a weird lame duck situation, right? Like, no, well, sort of. But I mean, at the same time, like all you've heard from the players is, "Hey, we want to play hard for DJ. Hey, yeah. we want to play hard." And I like, I don't think you could accuse these guys of not playing hard for DJ. It's just, I think if you had any gripes with the way that they play, it's like, well, they're not playing smart. Yes, and no, the effort like, was there. Just like, yeah, yeah, the effort's there. It's just the execution, the attention to small detail and stuff. It's just, it's not there. Yeah. And it hasn't been there for the past five years. And there hasn't been any significant growth in that regard, despite like the improvement of the, of the true talent level of this team. It's just like at some point, at some point you worry that it's like, if you keep going down this, this path, the complacency continues to set in the systemic losing continues to set in bad habits creep in. And like, I, I think that's kind of like permeated like players like Thomas Shabbat, right? Like where he's played like, 30 minutes a night with like really bad defensive players like Nikita Zaitsev. And you weren't <laughs> were like, what's the long-term impact of like playing 30 minutes a night, not necessarily going hard. You're just kind of playing. Yeah. Shabbat's know, you're, you're the guy we referenced level, like, on the Monday show as well. That was on a really nice upward trajectory upward. And then it's sort of stagnated and maybe regressed, right? Like that guy needs a jolt of something. New. But I think he's like, I, I think he's incredibly effective from like a puck moving standpoint. Yep. Like he's very good at breaking the puck out. He's good at getting the puck d- down in the opponent's mm-hmm. zone. Uh, defensively. I think there's been regressions, like considerable regressions in his game. Yeah. Um, 
it just in terms of like you know like he's a guy who could skate gap control has got to be there stick work's got to be there and it hasn't really been there it's just like the decision making hasn't been as effective as it should be and I, I i don't know if that's a function of just playing on bad teams for a number of years and having that kind of like sap his game but like i think a, num- a number of these guys just need a reset and there's nothing wrong with that um but like I, what today signifies is that they're shaking things up like these guys stood up and defended dj smith for a long time yep. and uh now they can't you're shaking it up and and the you're bringing in a coach who has credibility. He's winning his coach in Senators history. Um, you know, they've had some postseason success with him as well, mm-hmm. not necessarily against Toronto, but against like teams of like Philadelphia and New Jersey and stuff. Sure. So like there is credibility there. He's a guy who's had success in the season. He's won he's won a Jack Adams in 98, 99. And I think the fan base resonates with like he's had success here. They know who he is. There's a familiarity that's like, okay, finally, we got some credibility back. Whereas before they didn't necessarily have it. So, so is there a PR a, element I, to this? No, well, maybe, yeah. maybe partially, but I mean, like, <laughs> the alternative was EJ Smith. And yeah, what, no, what credibility sure. did he have? Yeah, you know. And so, at some point, it's like you have to bring in someone who's who's kind of like an esteemed coach. And I think like the knock on Ottawa for years is like every time they hire a, a head coach, he never goes on to a future job. The last head coach that they fired who actually got a gig as a head coach again was Jacques Martin. <laughs> so. And so, you know, you're like, you're going back yeah, to like Corey Clouston era, John Pat. Like, you're going back and, to like 2004, <laughs> yeah. 2004, 2005 era. So it's like, it's, it's been 20 years, oh man. My God. Like that's a damning statistic. Yeah. What well, is It's just, that, that's the nature of it. Right. Yeah. So like, I don't mind it. You're, you're shaking the things up and you know what? It might be the best thing to happen to this group in a long time. Do you think this was, <sighs> I want to take these guys at their word. So I'm not trying to paint this as like an evil premeditated thing. But do you think they knew when they brought in Jacques Martin as an advisor to the coaching staff two weeks ago that they had this at least in their back pocket that like if this doesn't change fast, we're just putting them in there? Or did this because of the last four games and the way things weren't turning around that they um, like have to pivot quickly and say, yeah, no, we need you to do more than just advise now? Well, I think it's a bit of both, right? It's a you're safeguarding. You're, well, it's protecting your short-term interests and it's giving you a little bridge to the future, right? I, and that's all it is. I like when he was hired. It's like, oh, here we go. This is the perfect way. Like, if you ever wanted to bring in an, an interim coach, this is probably the safest, most effective way to do it. Yeah. With that, like, but I mean, like, DJ Smith was on board with it, mind you. Like, if they just said, "Hey, DJ, we're bringing him in as a yeah," advisor, what's he gonna say? <laughs> what What can he say? It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh shit, there goes. There's, there's the sword of Damocles being installed yeah. above my desk. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's not surprising at all. This is like this was probably the way it was always going to play out, unless DJ Smith turns the season around, which could have happened, but yeah, it didn't. So here we are. So this is interesting because we've seen a lot of coaching firings early in the season, and pretty much universally, they have led to what often happens, right? The the, the new coach bounce or whatever, right? You get off to a bit, it snaps everybody back to attention and you can usually get on a bit of a run. We've seen it with the Oilers. Minnesota did all right there for a little while. Um, there's one or two others. Oh, uh, yeah, no, it's just, there's another one that's escaping me right now. But it's not uncommon that you kind of get off to a little bit of a run after this happens. Did they wait too long? Is this season in your mind lost? I think what I saw today was, to make what the projected cutoff line will be for the playoffs this year, they'd have to play 650 hockey the rest of the way. And 
it's been quite a while since this group looked like they've been capable of stringing that kind of consistency together. Not impossible, but unlikely. Do you think the playoffs are still the, you know, are still, you know, possible? I think it depends on your definition of success. And I think I tweeted this last night, like to one guy who responded to something I wrote. Um, you know, if the centers went on a run, like hypothetically, if the centers went on a run, let's say they play 650 hockey the rest of the way, they like sneak in, they lose first round. Mm-hmm. Is that a successful year? Yes. I guess. For this group but right like, now, for sure it would How be. are they? But I, like, I, I guess like the bigger question is like, how are they playing? Are they improving defensively? Are they playing better as a five-man unit? Right. Are they, is it sustainable? Right. Uh, which is the biggest thing. It's like it, the success that this team has had over the past number of years hasn't been sustainable because they don't play effectively at both ends of the ice. It's always been offense, 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 high event hockey, and they've never been able to defend effectively, and it's never been sustainable. They haven't had good goaltending that's sustainable. And I think if this group is going to take a measured step forward, um, I, I think they got some really, really good young pieces. Uh, I don't want to harp on this team too, too, too much, but they've got some really, really good young pieces that you can build around. Mm-hmm. But like, what what surrounds them and insulates them in terms of goaltending and just the like, the depth that that like the regime has put in place, the previous regime under Pierre Dorian. Yeah, uh, it's disappointing. I like it's you know for for. All the all the cap space and draft picks and what have you, um, they've pissed a lot of it away. And I'm not trying to be like negative or anything else. It's just like, you know, like you look at well, you look at the past offseason. No, but like you look at the past offseason. Who's they at? They added Corpusalo, yep. Dominic Kubalik, Travis Hamanick was resigned on a two year deal. And with a no move clause, yeah. But they added, but they added Vladimir Tarasenko. Okay, yeah. like two of those guys, two of those guys are on one year deals, yep. which is fine. Like it protects their protects the short term answers yep. and stuff. But it's like they're not building blocks for the future. They're just stopgap guys. So like, if those guys theoretically leave at the end of this season, those are like two guys in your top nine that you have to replace. And there's fucking there's no prospects in the system to replace them. Like there's nothing internally to replace these guys. Yeah. Wow. I'm not trying to be me- no, I'm not I, trying to be negative. Well, this is how it's we like, got here, right? This is why but it's like they spent they spent 12.6 million this offseason on those four guys. And I was looking at evolving hockey today, and they're worth negative 1.4 wins above Oof. replacement level. Like, yeah, Pier- like the fact that Pierre Dorian was allowed to go ahead and sign Corpus Allo to a five year deal is, is criminal. Like, I'm not, and like Corpus Allo could totally turn around and sure. fine. And like a four million is bad, but it's yeah. like. No, but like any most goaltenders who aren't like the upper echelon yep. aren't right. Yep. Like that's just the nature of the position. But like the fact that he had the liberty to go out and sign a guy to a multi-year deal is just criminal. Like that shouldn't be. That shouldn't. Well, be I remember talking to you about him, right? And we sort of were like, well, behind Columbus, he didn't look very good. Behind LA, he did look pretty good. And and sometimes it's that simple. And Ottawa's D or defensive systems haven't helped him much. But yeah, he's. That's worrisome now, right? That that's a five-year deal that you've got this guy for, and it's certainly and not all his track. fault. They but... never, they've never had a track history. Yeah. Uh, like aside from Anton Forsberg, who they picked off a of waivers, Pierre Dorian has never picked up a goaltender's last year for very long. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm not trying to be negative. It's just like that's just the reality of, right. of what's going on. That's an assessment of what's been done. But like, I, I'm hoping he bounces back because what's the alternative? Like, yep. you just hold on to him for four years and cross your fingers and hope for the best. But. <laughs> I'm sure you'll trade him to I Toronto just, next year. Well, it's just like I, I like you just wish that like the organization, the front office, had a blank slate to work with, right? They have like the nice young pieces, mm-hmm. but a blank slate to do whatever they want. But like again, like you talk about the rebuild and everything else that's gone on since 2017 for like the volume of draft picks that they've had. There should be more 
volume than what we've seen in terms of quality. And that just hasn't been the case. And it's just, it's a reflection of the poor mismanagement that, uh, that's gone on under Dorian and the Melnick era. It's just, it's so frustrating. And like, you hope it's off or not, right? <laughs> that's, that's the biggest thing. It's like, you know, you see like years of like teams that have rebuilt for a long time. You look at like the Buffalo era, uh, for the past like almost 20 years as well right where like they've struggled to kind this of is it when you tear down you never up. know how long it's going to take to get out of it right it's it's hard but you gotta be you gotta be bad and you gotta be lucky at the same time yep, right? it depends 100%. on like, when you bought them at who you get at the top of the draft and everything yep. else but it's just like for years it's like like so many people wrote about this like whether it was like scott wheeler from the athletic or like anyone else who like criticized the the draft records or like they criticized the pierre dorian moves that were made in the offseason fans crack back saying you guys are so negative this team's on the upswing it's like there are some really good pieces here mm-hmm. there's still really good pieces here there's an excellent young core that you can build around but it's like if you if you don't support them properly and you continue to make bad moves around them you're going to shortchange this team's prime and that's a concern. It's like these guys are all like 21 to 28 years old. I think Tom Shabazz is probably the oldest part of the core at 28 years old. Right. Although, like, obviously, Claude Giroux, will, I'm assuming, will stick around past his current age. And he's a little bit older and still you know, awesome. He's unbelievable. But, like, most of this core is like they're getting older. Like, uh, historically, or statistically, I should say, like a, a player's prime is from 22 to 27 years of age offensively. And, you know, these, these kids are like playing through that already. And I'm not saying it's like, oh, the window's closing already. It's not, but you're pissing away their best years. Just like, because I'm familiar with this phenomenon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've seen a young core not have any success. Um, And just because you make it to the playoffs doesn't mean like, like, hockey's a crapshoot, man. There's there's so much luck involved as well. And bad bounces and everything else can affect everything. Um, and like Toronto can obviously attest to that, yeah. but like it's, it's super frustrating. To like if, if they don't make the playoffs this year, then it's like, okay, well we have to make it next year. And it's like, well, what if they don't, <laughs> right. you know, it's just like, it's just one of those situations where it's like, okay, now we have to go ahead and get two top, two top nine forwards, maybe another depth defenseman. And you're tr- like, maybe we need another goalie. It's like, well, where's this money coming from? How are we creating this room? How are we getting these pieces? And it's like, you can't, it's, it's Ottawa. Like realistically it's Ottawa, right? Like not the not necessarily the most attractive place to play. So like, how are you acquiring these players and getting them like without significantly overpaying, right? So like, realistically, you have to have kind of that conversation. Like, well, how are how are we going to build around this? And like, do the team does the team have enough trade assets to like go ahead and get these guys? I don't know. It's 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 frustrating because like years of mismanagement is kind of like culminated in this point, and we're stuck saying like, shit. Thanks, Pierre. Well, that's it, right? Like it's. They Pierre was canned what a month ago now or a month and a half, whatever it was. And yet there's going to be like, he's gone, but what he's done here will linger for a very long time. Right. That, and and I think one of the sad points is about him getting fired is that people will say it's because of a, I don't know what you want to call it. Just like shadiness around a whole dad, not no trade clause. But he should have been like he should have been fired for incompetency, and yeah. just in terms of the way he managed this roster over the past number of years, and like the Dadnov bungling of that trade has has kind of robbed us of that, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that it everyone will just say it was that one thing as opposed to the several years leading up to it. Um, let me ask you about the Alfie of it all because we have seen also in the news that he will be on the bench with Jacques Martin as an assistant coach, and maybe. This is just my anti-Sens perspective here. I thought it was a really 
really smart move to bring him back into the organization, have him around working with players, uh, advising the coaching staff as well. But we don't know anything about whether he can actually coach or not, right? He has no background in that. What do you think of them putting him on the bench as an assistant coach right now when, again, you should be teaching? You'd be, you, In theory, you'd be looking for experienced guys to come in and you know what I'm saying? Like he's he's just kind of being thrown in there. It feels like to me. I I don't know. Yeah, but they're two and zero with him behind the bench. Right? Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> no, like, like he's a, he's a distinguished guy. So like whatever he says carries weight. Yeah, and I think that's just, like that's great. And uh, I think the players respect him and everything else. I think it's a nice buffer between the head coach and the players. I think that's why he's there. Okay. Um, like, you know what I'm saying though? Like, there's I, no experience I, I, I think, there. There's. I know, but I like he's to me he's a player development guy. I, I think the thing with Alfie in this organization moving forward is like I think he needs to be put in a position where you can't fire him, whether it's an, as an assistant coach or a head coach. That should never happen because I don't. He should never be in a position where they have to relieve him of his duties. Right. He should be like one of those legacy guys that can just like integrate himself. Just he's Alfie. He's, he's ubiquitous. He's always he's ubiquitous. Yeah. He's uh... yes. Yeah. Exactly. He's just like whenever you think of the centers, he's like synonymous with the organization. Right. He's always around, yeah. and that's it. You know, um, Those, obviously this him, lowers him, him from that a little. It feels like, yeah, but if it's only temporary, then that's fine. Yeah. Like if it gives him an opportunity to like figure out what he wants to do for the rest of his career as a like, yeah, you know, post post playing career, obviously, like if that allows him to figure it out what he wants to do, then great. And maybe he'll decide. Maybe I want to be in the front office. Maybe I just want to be in player development. Yeah, perfect. You know, but um, yeah, I thought I it was I'm smart not, to bring him I'm into the organization. Into OK, I, I'm not trying to be overly negative. I thought it was great to bring him back in. I was just surprised how universally happy everyone was to see him stepping behind the bench where you kind of look at that resume and go, I guess. Right. But like, yeah, yeah. but you know what? Like historically, what I've always loved about Alfredson is he's very blunt. You know, like he tells it like it is. Like yep. when he when they ask Probably him about the, the team's yeah. playing, when they ask, yeah, well, exactly. It's yeah. like, hey, you're down three games to one. Are you going to come back and win this? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. But like, but like, even when they asked him at the beginning of the year, it's like, hey, like, what what kind of similarities do you see between like the Senators teams from yesteryear in this group? He's like, well, this this group's got a lot of like talent, but like defensively, it's like our team had to defend and learn how to score. This team's the opposite, right? And like, that's the kind of blunt. I think you, you need that. I think these guys need to know how to like you can you can score it. Like I think there's enough offensive talent to figure it out. Um, sure, but like historically, it's always been like a high event team. They can they have no problem running and gunning, but they get in trouble. They just don't know how to defend, especially when the opposition has the same pressure in the defensive end. That like the team just starts running around like chickens with their head cut off. They don't know how to defend. They don't know how to like contain movement and and players switching uh, positions on the cycle and stuff. It's just. They're just terrible in coverage with guys rotating yeah. and, and like guys who can skate with speed. It's just it's it's terrible to watch at times, but <laughs> and frustrating because it never seems to change. It's just it's one of those things that's always kind of taking place. But like I don't know. Like I think today's a good day because the remnants of the Melnick era, like they just continue to flush them out of the organization. Flush is the right and, word, yes. <laughs> and if that continues, then awesome. And if we start to see change, like I still have a like Everyone's kind of taken Adlauer and, and Stales to task because it's like been drawn out and people have been expecting like today's news for like weeks. Yeah, but I don't I don't blame them for taking the time. I, I get it. It's it's a, I understandably it's frustrating, but like they obviously have 
people in mind who they want to talk to. It's just, they're not available right now. And that's kind of what you just have to accept and, and move forward with. And as frustrating as that is, I totally get it. Uh, the unfortunate part is that it could risk another down year where the team doesn't make the playoffs. But again, if Jacques Martin comes in as an interim guy, teaches these guys how to play effectively as a five-man unit, then uh, they're in a better position for next season, at the start of next season, than they are had they kept DJ Smith around. Right. So maybe last thing on this then, how how quickly do you think you might start to see noticeable and I don't even want to use the word improvement. Obviously, that's what they're going for here. But it's going to take these guys time to learn what Jacques going to try to implement here. But how quickly yep. do you think you'll start to see change? You'll start to notice, um, you know, noticeable changes in the way they're at least trying to do it. Like, is this going to? Yeah. They're they're playing every other night here for the rest of the month, and uh, for sure. it, it's going to be tough. Like, do you think this is going to? be noticeable quickly. Sometimes just a new coach snaps you back to attention even a little more because the guy you were comfortable with and gotten a little complacent with is gone. Like how quickly yeah. do we see some change here? So I think it's like different, right? Like, so when Martin came in originally back in like what, 95, 96, I think that's I think right. Yeah. Uh, like, so my parents were season tickle. I'll preface the story by saying like my parents were season tickle. They just sat in the 100 levels. Um, my dad took me to one of the first games, Martin coach. It was against Pittsburgh. And, like, at that time, like, Radic Bonk was, like, a struggling prospect, wasn't scoring much, wasn't doing anything, like, anything of consequence. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so, like, one of Martin's first games is against Pittsburgh. They have, like, the Lemieux-Jagger shit going on. Right. I don't Actually, Lemieux, Lemieux might not have been playing at that point. Uh, but Jagger was, like, the best player on the ice. Yeah, the height far. of his like, power. What, so what does he do? It's like you have a struggling Bonk. What, what do you do? You match the countrymen up against his countrymen. And it was probably, like, one of the best games I had seen Radic Bonk play. To that point and like he, he had a great game i don't think he scored or anything but like he was like he was noticeably effective uh ottawa still lost the game but like it was like one of those messages right like you're actually like you're instilling confidence in the young player saying here you know you got a blank slate work with me go from right. there and um ottawa's in a different spot right now right like i think if you look at their young players there's, there's no one that you're like wow that guy's really underachieving i think like if you look at how this team's having success you're like Brady Kachuk's playing, you know, he's he's one of the better yeah, power the individual pieces, pieces are pretty good and are playing well. Yeah, like it's just not Tim clicking Stussel, together. Tim yeah. yeah, it's just like, but I think it's the two-way play. It's like, how do you get these guys to understand that, you know, you create offense through defense? And I think that's where Martin specialized was, oh, he was creating offense through defense first. And I like, it would frustrate my dad to no end when it's like, <laughs> you know, you're like, you're playing for a 3-1 three, three, win when you could fucking blow uh, a team out of the water because there's so much offensive firepower on Ottawa, but like there was that conservative element to like Martin's game, but like he didn't sway from that style. Like he never deviated from the system, right? It's like trust the system, it's going to win. I think like that's almost to a fault. That's where it got into trouble in the postseason and stuff, where it's like he just couldn't deviate. Like there was, he had his X's and O's, but like he couldn't adjust. He was, he struggled to adjust at times. It's like, well, just trust the system, it'll work. And if it doesn't, then you lose. But <laughs> If it does, then you look great. So, sure. um, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I like. I, I can't target anyone in particular. I'm like, oh, that guy's going to thrive. Maybe a Shabbat. Maybe right. Like a guy who yeah. needs a good. But yeah, like he he's coming back from it. Like he'll be a li- he'll be gone for a little bit. But like Sanderson's another guy I would expect to like improve. Like see his underlying numbers improve. Um, because the team, like I think he's a great two way guy. 
but because the team has been so bad, his defensive numbers haven't been as good as they should be. Right. And that's, that's, no, that's all. Yeah. yeah. It's no fault of his own, but he's like, he's the most reliable guy. So you're playing big men as good you know, against the opposition's best players. And it's going to struggle if the team's not playing well effectively as a unit. So he'd be another guy I'd look at for improvement. Uh, I want to see Brady Kitschuk get better to a, um, you know, yeah, not great in his guy. own it's like, Well, it's like part of the system is, you know, as soon as a puck gets turned over, there's guys like flying high, like they're, they're gone. And which is fine. It puts a lot of pressure on the opposing defense. They're going to stretch it out and uh, look for like, quick rush, quick attacks the other way. But um, I think they're going to tighten it up. I think Brady's going to get better. I th- I'm hoping Stutzla gets better defensively. Josh Norris has taken a step forward in the last like week or two. He looks like he's noticeably improved from... Yeah, he's a little know, less tentative, right? Yeah, yeah he's off. more assertive. You can yeah. see it, like, especially last night. Like, yeah. He just looks like way more assertive on the ice. So he's another guy that I'd like to see get better and it's just it's it's the same well i think once you like introduce like shane pinto back to the group and stuff like it seems two-way play is going to take care of itself hopefully but that's the goal like yeah if the playoffs aren't a realistic goal it's like okay how do we get these guys to play better defensively so we can carry that over in the next season and that that honestly is the biggest thing if you get these guys to buy and play collectively well as a unit because all these guys are signed long term they're going to be playing with each other for a long time buying trades that is the one kind of scary part, right? Like, I think you look at most of these deals when they were signed and gone, yeah, that's pretty good, right? A little risk in one or two of them. Like the Sanderson one, I think most people thought that's a risk worth taking, but it was a risk. But all these guys are now locked up long term. This is the core. And if it doesn't work, it's it, this could be painful for a while, right? So it, does that scare you at all that a lot of these guys are locked up long term and you only have so many options once you've done that or? I feel like the only questionable contract that might not pan out over time is like maybe Josh Norris. I feel like everyone else is like reasonable. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe Shabbat at eights, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't even feel like that's that bad. It's more the years that freak you out a little. Like if it's not going to get turned around and you need to move somebody out to make a change on the roster. It, yeah, it, yeah. But at the same time, it's like the cap, the cap ceiling is escalating over the past five years. So it sounds like yeah. when you've been put to the cap ceiling and now you're going to get a, like a buffer to work with that's yeah. more cap to these guys. So it's like, it's like Boston's deals from like yesteryear, right? Where it's like guys like Pasternak and Marshawn were signing like sweetheart deals. Yes. And they had a chance to like insulate them with like really good players because they were so inexpensive. And then, but it took time, right? Like at the time, like, oh, that's a good market deal. And then like sure. five years later, like, holy crap, those guys are making pennies on right. the dollar. <laughs> you know? And uh, you, you hope, I mean, like those are superstar players, obviously, but like you hope it's the same way in Ottawa where it's like you're looking back, you're like, oh, Brady Kachuk's only making like eight million bucks or Tim Stutzel's only making eight million. Yeah, yeah, none of them are crippling like ten and a half, you know, whatever. 12, yeah, yeah. Dollar deals, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. So like I, I think Ottawa's set up well for the future. It's just a matter of like insulating them properly and and you know, getting quality goaltending and just playing well defensively. Like those are those are the biggest things. And it's like the goaltending has been an absolute letdown this season. I know everybody's like focusing on the defense and the coaching staff and everything else, but it's like these guys can't get timely saves to save their lives. And like at no point and this that's season, have you, have you, like there's nothing you can do if you're getting terrible goaltending, man. Like now, Ottawa, that is an area that they have some prospect depth is in goal, but so so maybe long term this isn't an issue other than the fact that you are going to be paying Corpusalo. But man, this and if it wasn't a position of attrition, I'd be happy to agree with you. It's yeah. just like that's one of those things, right? Where it's like you all of a sudden you go from like, Hey, Ottawa had Ben Bishop and Robin Lehner. And then yep. it's like, Oh, well now we have Craig Anderson and both those other guys are gone. So it's like, yeah, 
you know, it's it's just it's so volatile. You have no idea what's going to happen one moment or the next. It's just it's it's the nature of the position, unfortunately. So as we wrap up here, just kind of it sounds like you think that that today's been uh, a positive day. Uh, tell me what you and and look. Let me preface this because it's the human side of it. No one no one is happy to see DJ Smith the person get fired, right? That's not what fans were rightfully saying. Something has to change. There needs to be a new direction here. It's not a personal attack on DJ Smith's character. So let's just get that out of the way. And with that said, are you, was, was today a sense of relief? Is it a sense of happiness? Like this is where the things can turn around. Is it, you know, how would you describe your emotions or your view of the day and, and the fact that we're finally turning the page, like everything about the Melnick era is now left in the past, except for the lasting damage, I guess. But the, the personnel has been completely turned over. I think it's just a necessary step in the evolution of this group. I think that's the easiest way to put it. Um, I think like, you know, like the coach that you hire for the rebuild isn't necessarily going to be the guy who's like the credible candidate yeah. who will lead them forward when like, things are starting to turn the corner and like to DJ Smith, great players coach. You can understand why the players respect him. Everyone speaks uh, very him. highly of the man as a person. Yeah, right? and, he, and when you talk to him, knows him like off the ice is yeah. spoken like really highly and, and he's well regarded and, and yes. everything else like hilarious, really nice friendly as guy, a man. Yes. Guy. A good guy. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it wasn't working. He's had, no, he's had five years. Yep. I like, I understand like part of it's a rebuild and everything else. Yep. But, I mean, if you look at the last like two years, um, it's not even like the points. I like naturally the team's points total has improved every year, but like I think if you look at the team's performance on the ice, like has it significantly improved? Or are they still relying on the same five guys to like carry them every game? Yeah. You know? So um <laughs> I, I like I'm not happy, yeah. but it's like it's a necessary step that you knew was gonna happen. Um it's I'm grateful that it happened now as opposed to waiting right. longer. You know, and maybe it should have happened sooner. But like, as as I wrote last night, like the thing that bothers me the most about everything that's taken part uh, over the last few months is just like they were robbed. Like they were robbed of making decisions during the off season. Yep, you're relying on the incumbents to lead this thing forward um, from the summer through the beginning of the season. And uh, you know, if if everything was different and the sale went through quicker, then maybe we wouldn't be in this position. But you got to wring every dollar out of the sale. And unfortunately it's kind of like we were just taken along for the ride and, and this is the hand that we were dealt. So it's, you just accept it and move on. And, and I just hope the team is put in a better position tomorrow and six months from now than they were uh, during the previous era. It's I, I think Pierre Dorian was an awful general manager. I don't think DJ Smith was like a, a, a great head coach. And this is, this is all kind of been building to this moment and, this is where we are. So I hope it uh, I hope it gets better because I think fans in the city deserve it. Uh, they've, they've stomached a lot of garbage over the past few years. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's been a long time coming. And I hope, I hope, you know, for some people who have been harping on Stios and Anlau for taking their time and stuff. But I think like, I think there's some credibility in the way that they've run things. Um, and like, there, I think there's a lot of hope uh, just in terms of the way they, they operate. And I, I hope it continues. They're putting people like good people in good positions, and I and I hope that trend continues moving into like whoever they decide to take over the general manager role and the head coaching roles. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And and I heard someone else say it. It might have been AJ on TSN twelve hundred uh, on on Monday afternoon saying that you know while it bothered fans that it took so long and fans were ready to do this a while ago, 
fans should at the same time be happy, be relieved, be comfortable in the fact that this does appear to be a management group that isn't going to make snap decisions, isn't going to be pressured into into things. I think there's there is positive in that, even if, you know, as a fan, you're screaming to just do it now, you'll be thankful at a different time that they didn't give up on a player too soon or something like that. Like it, there is value in not being somebody who makes oh, snap and like, decisions and reactionary impulsive and, decisions were like an earmark of the Mel McEller era. Right, yeah. Right. So it's just like irrational, impulsive decisions help steward this team for like a long time. So if they're going to like buy their time, take their time, evaluate, decide who they want to bring in and bring in credible candidates. Yeah. I'm all for it. It's it's a marked change from the previous regime, and that's awesome. Sure. So, um, appreciate all your time, man. All year, you've been in here, uh, on here a bunch of times. You've been in studio here this year for the first time. Uh, like I said, when we need some insight, when we need, uh, you know, a, a look at what's happening behind the scenes there with the sends and what it all means, uh, you're a place that we uh, we're happy to come knock. And man, thank you for all your time this year, and uh, appreciate it uh, every time. And hope you and the family have an awesome Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Matt, and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all your listeners. Yeah, that's where we'll wrap this one up. We'll be back later in the week with, uh, well, with whatever comes up next. Uh, I can tell you that uh, later on you'll be hearing from Michaela Schreider and Chris Hoffley. We'll be in here to do what we used to call the Brew Marsh, uh, the Canadian Athlete of the Year debate that we had. But uh, then they went and retired the Lou Marsh name because that guy turned out to be kind of icky. Uh, we haven't come up with a good name yet, so. Uh, but we'll do that later in the week with uh, with Shrides and Hoff. So stick around for that. Make sure you're subscribed to the pod wherever you're hearing us right now. You can find Graham's work on Substack. It's called Roman a Day. Uh, GNichols.substack.com. We will link to that in the show notes. You can check it out uh, for yourself. And uh, that's where we'll wrap this one up. Thank you so much for listening. For Graham, my name's Matt. We'll see you next time. That's it. Not work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal's. Call the weekend guy, I don't care.